everybody. This is Joel Junker with Cameron Brooks, and welcome to the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. Podcast is predominantly designed for our Cameron Brooks alumni or military officers that are considering making the transition to, from the military to business. So at Cameron Brooks, we're a military officer recruiting firm helping officers make the transition from the military to leadership positions in business. And our podcast is designed to talk to those that have come through our program that are working in business and being successful, to share their best practices and career management advice so that you listeners could take that advice and reach your career goals as well. So if you're a military officer considering a transition to business, I, continue, I encourage you to continue to follow this podcast, but also to visit our website. Uh, we've got loads of information on the website, a blog, a learning library. We also have a book called PCS to Corporate America, where you can read the first chapter and introduction for free. But you can also order a copy online inside the Learning Library. If you're a Cameron Brooks alumnus, you've come through the program, you're listening to this, please know you can always reach out to us for any help, advice. But there's also a quarterly newsletter that uh, will be coming out here in December. Uh, and there will be another one uh, that will come out uh, every three months or so. So be on the lookout for that. Well, in this podcast uh, episode today, I interview Matt Birch, who is a former uh, Army infantry officer who is now in sales with Medtronic Spinal Intervention uh, side of their business, so medical device sales. He's dual-headed. He has his own sales territory in Arizona, but he's also leading a team of people selling a very specific product in the western part of the United States. Uh, he uh, shares with uh, us in this episode how being an infantry company commander prepared him to turn uh, the Arizona territory into a top performing sales territory, but he also shares how he's balancing those two roles of leading a sales team, managing his own territory, and also while simultaneously getting his MBA at Arizona State. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the Karen Brooks Podcast. It's great to have you on. And I thought what we'd just start off doing is uh, if I know you've been out in the business world for about five years now um, with Medtronic. And I thought maybe you could just tell us what you do right now with Medtronic. Well, sure. So I have a, a couple of job duties with Medtronic, a territory manager for interventional spine products here in uh, the, Arizona, the state of Arizona, primarily focusing on Phoenix, Tucson, and Flagstaff. And then um, also regional oncology leader for um, an interventional tumor ablation system that was recently launched. Uh, where I cover the Southwest United States and Hawaii, um, for, you know, mentoring and coaching reps to hit sales targets and to approach new customers um, within the oncology market. And so, it, it, maybe you can just start off telling us what you what you. Not everybody probably knows what interventional means, uh, especially uh, those that are probably still in the military or maybe even some of those that are in different industries that are listening to this. So explain to what, what interventional means, at least at Medtronic and the type of procedures that you're talking about. Right. So interventional, you, you, if you think traditionally of spine surgery, um, we're a medical device company, obviously. If you think of spine surgery, most of the times you think of you're laying on the table and somebody makes a big incision, opens up your back, that, they, that way they can visualize the spine. Interventional means that we do everything percutaneously. So small incisions, um, usually the size of a pin, pin prick, uh, and we can work through these little cannulas that go inside of your spine, and everything is visualized under x-ray, so that way you have much faster healing times. The therapies that we use 
are used to treat spinal fractures and spinal tumors. And we can do all of those things um, under very moderate sedation and with very minimal uh, damage to any surrounding tissue or other bone. So that's what interventional means in our business. Um, one of the things that I hear from military officers that are considering the transition of getting out is that, well, how am I going to learn all this? Like, I don't have any sales experience. I don't have this healthcare experience. I don't have this science background. Can you address that? Like, how did you learn and come up to speed to, and just on the basic interventional procedures? Because it sounds like you've grown in, from your standpoint of picking on additional responsibilities for more advanced procedures. But when you first came out there four or five years ago, how did you pick up on the, the anatomy, the procedures, the science, the technology aspect of that? Sure. So these companies that, that, that you're going to be looking at um, as you come through all have training programs. Um, and Medtronic happens to have, I think, one of the best training programs out there. I mean, as an infantry officer, I had zero idea, zero idea what a, a vertebral body was or, you know, the psoas muscles. I didn't know any of those things. And Medtronic will, will take you um, initially and teach you everything you need to know about the anatomy. You go through like a, a year-long science course. And in that year, they teach you how to do things like selling techniques. They teach you about the anatomy. They teach you how, how to navigate health systems. They teach you uh, which points are important within the buying decision. Um, and again, you get a lot of experience by shadowing people who have been doing it for a while. Uh, you get to see different types of complexity and different types of cases. So by the time you're taking on a territory, um, you will have seen almost all there is to see in the job ahead of you while you're in that training program. So when I came out of Medtronic's training program, I was very well adapted to hit the road running and uh, and then start trying to make some some initial successes. So the companies that are out there all have design training programs. You know, the other piece that's interesting too, Matt, is I hear oftentimes talking with people making the transition to milita from military to business. You know, I'll say, Are you, well, what do you think about sales as a career for you? And they'll say something like, well, I don't have any sales experience. Tell us what you did in the military, kind of walk, or maybe the highlights of your military career. And then can you lead that into, like, how that's helped you become a good salesperson? Sure. So I was an infantry officer. Uh, I had a uh, mechanized infantry platoon at Fort Hood, Texas, and then a uh, mortar platoon as well, and then um, company command of the mechanized infantry company. And, um, you know, when you say the statement that I don't think I have any sales experience, well, if you've been a military officer and you've been a leader, I would argue that you have more sales experience than you think. Um, you're presenting ideas either, you know, managing up to your boss, to your commander, or you're trying to gain buy-in from your, um, your, your command structure, your, your lieutenants, your sergeants. Um, so I think that that discussion of ideas and buy-in and, and how do we get something done is all part of a selling skill. So, yeah, you may not think that sales is the right career for you because you don't have enough experience in sales, but I think you have more experience than you would think, and that would probably pertain to any other type of industry as well. What... Um how did being an infantry officer specifically for you, and may have already answered this, prepare you for the year, not the year of training, but that first year out on your own? You were a company commander. Like you led a, I don't know, team of 100 people when you were an infantry company commander. And now you go to managing a territory where it's you, the territory, your hospitals, your customers. 
how did that help prepare you for that? Yeah, great question. So for me, it felt like the infantry had prepared me really well for territory management, um, especially, you know, deployed to Iraq three times. It, it's, it really is very similar. You, you have an area of operations, you know, as a platoon leader, as a company commander, you have certain goals that you need to hit, and it's your responsibility to come up with how to approach that problem or how to approach um, achieving your goals. Territory management in the sales role is, is nothing dissimilar. It's finding the data that, you know, that paints the picture of what's happening on the ground in your territory. It's finding out which hospitals have the most influence. It's finding out which customers are your key customers already, which finding new targets, and which customers could potentially be new customers. It's like you would do it in op order, where you would where you would mount a plan to, uh, you know, control a certain part of the terrain in Iraq or Afghanistan. It's very similar in that respect as well. And so that helps you plan your day, and you're already used to doing those things as an infantry officer, as a company commander, because you've had to take data, you've had to paint it on a, on a map, you've had to come up with a, a plan, and you've had to execute that plan. Sales, in my opinion, is extremely... <laughs> extremely well aligned with uh, the combat arms portion of the Army. Uh, and I think also that would be just because you know the Army so well, but also I would just think about even logisticians in the Army, that would make sense. They would have that, that those combat support organizations because they do a lot of the same analysis and they've got internal customers, but your Navy uh, surface warfare type of officers or supply and, and we've had Air Force officers that have been on here in sales also. What, um, uh, so that's, that takes us, kind of jumping around here, it's hard with, because you've got, I have so many questions for you. Um, let's, let's, let's go back to, you said you're doing, an, you have a sales territory right now that is all of Arizona. But then you have this second responsibility that you're leading like 10, 15 other people selling a product, like a specific product line for the oncology side. How did you, that's very unusual, I think, that you would have your own territory still, but now you're also in this management role, managing like a, a specialty sales force. How did you get into that, and how are you being able to do both? Yeah, so it's a, that is for sure a challenge, um, especially with, with regards to managing, managing time. Um, but so how did I get selected for the regional oncology leadership position? So that was a... Um, about a year and a half ago, um, the corporation, Medtronic Corporate, was was to launch a, a new interventional oncology product, and they wanted to find, you know, in each geographical region of the United States, top salespeople um, or salespeople with leadership experience um, who could go out and make an impact with this launch. You know, one of the things that we I mentioned earlier is about getting buy-in, but you know, not all sales reps really buy into a new product launch. You know. Um, not all sales reps really want to go outside of their comfort zone if they've been successful. So I guess they were looking for people who could go out there and, and, and rally the troops, so to speak, around this new therapy, around this new product, and assist the corporate Medtronic launching it into, you know, our certain sales channel um, that we already own. So that's one of the things that, that I do. It's, um, it does take a lot of extra time outside of my normal territory management, but it's extremely rewarding to help some of these very tenured reps um, win some of their first cases. In fact, before you and I just spoke, I had a conversation with one of the reps out in Los Angeles who was on his way to the first case, and, and we've been trying to get um, a case for him for the last three months. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's a coaching, it's, it's mentorship, it's 
you know, exploring ideas, exploring different avenues and options. Um, so they, they, they chose me to be that person out here for the Southwest. And how do I do that when I already have the territory the size of Arizona? Um, well, we've been growing out here in Arizona. We started out a little bit on the low side when I first um, when I first came out here. It was kind of a territory that was in duress, and um, I, I knew that going into it, I wanted the challenge. And we've been able to take Arizona from you know, Medtronic was almost ready to walk away from the business now to being one of the most profitable um, territories within Medtronic um, interventional spine. So. We've been able to grow. We've been able to add revenue, which we, which means we've been able to add headcount. So my time is spent, you know, selling to my traditional customers, um, you know, managing their territory uh, or their par levels, their inventory, um, servicing my my existing customers, and then bringing people on board and uh, trying to grow with new sales, new targets, new hospitals. So that's a lot of what I do now. <laughs> besides just managing my current hospitals, is just managing and coaching and guiding newer sales reps under us out here in Arizona. There's so many things you just mentioned in there that I want to, that I want to dive into. The first thing would be kind of coming back to the, some of those misperceptions on sales or concerns that I hear people on sales careers. It, it, go back to this infrastructure officer, you're probably a platoon leader, Matt, executive officer, company commander, you have you focus on team leadership. And I remember meeting you uh, six years ago, probably six years ago, this December is the first time I met you, and and meeting you a couple times. You are, and I remember working with some people that worked with you, and about how strong of a leader you were in leading teams and bringing teams together. Heck, I even remember how you brought like the five dysfunctions of a team into your command. And so this leads to the question of a lot of people say, well, you know, I think that we, I think that we'd be good at sales. Like, I'm just going to miss. I don't want. I'm going to be out there all by myself. And I'm not going to be leading other people. What would be your retort to that? Because you did that, and you were really good at that in the military. But now I followed your career at Medtronic, and you're really good at what you do now. So how do you? What would your your if somebody said that to you? Because they say this to me. What would your retort be back to them based on your experience? Well, thank you for the compliment. First of all, it was certainly an honor to serve with everybody that you just mentioned, and it's been a, an amazing experience with Cameron Brooks and post Cameron Brooks. But I, I, yeah, so you're out there all alone and, you know, you've gone from leading people to leading no one. Um, that, that certainly is, is a way that you could look at it. I, I can tell you that I do miss some of the, the daily interaction and the leadership um, that, I, that I had in the Army. But I also think that you're never going to have that, um, that level of uh, leadership really again. You know, post-company command, I, I wouldn't even see that myself in the military. That was one of the that was one of the deciding factors um, of leaving. Is that I will never have the experiences that I had already again. Um, but the perception of being out here on your own in sales is not some scary nebulous existence. It's a you know there's a very large support structure. In fact, Medtronic is I think one of the largest medical device companies in the world, and I have um, a support structure that's very similar to a big company. Only only thing is, is that I run my own business with inside of a larger corporation. And that's really what I think sales is all about. So when you talk about leading other people, um, yeah, it's, it's maybe you're not necessarily holding formation or, or leading PT in the morning. It's, it's uh, you know, you're managing yourself. You're managing your territory. You're, 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 you don't have any lower reports, but your coworkers are your customers. You know, that's the kind of relationship that you build with them. And kind of focusing in on where, how did I deal with that transition was managing myself 
and managing my territory. You mean if you're if you're managing a couple of people, now you're responsible for driving revenue of you know one, two, three, ten, twenty million dollars. And so how do you how do you put that plan together to achieve those goals? And again, you've got the support structure out here. You're not all alone. You might be the only person in a territory. I um, mean, it might be the size of the state, but you've got a phone call. You've got people who will fly in here to help you. Um, it's, it's not scary. It's, in fact, it's a lot of fun. I, other than holding formation in the morning, it's really not all that different. That's interesting. Um, so let's keep on this thing. You go out into your territory. You mentioned that you came into Arizona. It was um, not performing to the level it should be. What did you do? What actions did you do or take to build that up? How did you overcome obstacles? What were some of those challenges and, and uh, to do that? And maybe this is lessons learned for other sales reps out there. Maybe it's, uh, this is information you can use to, if people are considering sales, some of the things that they can look forward to. So talk about that, building it back up and the challenges that you overcame. Okay, so are you ready to make fun of me, Joel? No, I'm not going to make fun of you, Matt. I never made fun of you, to your face anyway. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, thank you for that. I, I do need to keep my ego intact somehow. So it's, it's um, and you all can make fun of me out there if you want to as well. I didn't know anything different. So you come out here to Arizona. I knew I was up for the challenge. I believed in myself. I thought I could do this. Even though I had no sales experience, I was willing to take on the, the world, right? It's just Matt Birch out here in this territory in Arizona that's not doing great. You know, what, you fall back on what you know. And what did I know is I knew how to write operation orders and campaign plans. So, um, you know, for those of you that, that aren't uh, Army, I don't know if you have something similar. I'm, I'm certain you do. We had, you know, operation orders, op orders. So I sat down and I analyzed data that, that my company had on historical sales reports, on historical customers that we had, um, who used to be doing a bunch of procedures, who stopped, why, what are the external factors, you know, what does the competition strength look like? What are their weaknesses? Where do I see that I can make an initial success and gain a foothold? Where can I grow from there? So I put all of those data points and all of those opinions and all of my research into a document that looks exactly like an op order. You know, we had the enemy situation, which was what was my competition doing well? What, what were they weren't doing well? Um, and I had what my company wants to do, what my manager's goals are, and then what my goals are. What were my key tasks that I needed to accomplish within that year you know, to make this happen and achieve quota. Um, what were some of the obstacles I was going to have to turn over? What are my plans to overcome those obstacles? One of the obstacles is reimbursement. You know, people have to get paid for medical procedures. They stopped paying for mine out here in Arizona for about a year and a half. So how am I going to, over, how am I going to tell these hospitals and doctors that this is a viable procedure, even if they're not going to get paid for it? You know, how are we going to partner with our customers to make them successful in this negative reimbursement environment that we have? You know, just putting all those together, deciding on a plan, understanding what resources were at my disposal, and then executing it to the best of my ability. I made it specific enough where I could focus, but I didn't make it so specific that it would hinder me in what I needed to do if I needed to be flexible and change something. And that's exactly what I did, and I've actually continued that practice. So at the start or at the end of every fiscal year, I either do it by myself or get together with my partners or my junior reps and we sit down and we analyze our current situation, what we want our goals for the next fiscal year to be, and we write out a year-long sales plan, which I'm not sure anybody really does in the sales world anymore. They usually just do quarterly reviews. But we write it out for a year. And 
This year, I, we did the same exact thing, and we are focusing on our targets, and we are making headway. And I think that's really what it's all about. Just make the plan, make a good plan, have data to support your objectives, and then go and reach your objectives. It's all it really boils down to. I wouldn't laugh at you for that. I mean, um, that sounds exactly probably what you just said in the beginning, why companies really value the military officer because of that skill set that you had on like being able to analyze the situation. You basically did what's the, the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and you put a plan together. But it's interesting. I've got a couple questions for you based on that. How did you get hospitals, doctors, to see the value in a procedure that they, that they weren't going to get reimbursed for that they would on different other? I mean, that, that is something like I was thinking, how, does it, how would I, like, could I even do that? To get a hospital to say, well, you normally get reimbursed on this other procedure that kind of does a similar thing at this rate. If you do ours, you're not going to get reimbursed to that same level because insurances don't want to do this. How do you get them to say, that is so valuable, we want to do that? Uh, so there was, a, there was a couple of ways. And, and it, it's, thank goodness, even though um, Medicare, most of our patients are Medicare. They're older. They tend to fracture their spine uh, a lot more than a younger person would with healthy bone. But... Uh, Medicare came out and said that we're not going to do this, we're not going to reimburse you unless you meet this three-page long stringent criteria, which is almost impossible to meet. And so um, that came out, but the implementation of that policy didn't come out, um, it, it wasn't, it didn't align with when the policy was released. So what ended up happening was they had been getting paid for a few months, and then when they started auditing and implementing the policy, they started recouping money, Medicare monies, from the hospitals and from the physicians. So not only were they not getting paid anymore, but Medicare was taking their money back. Um, and how, do, how did I overcome that? It, it was just a lot of hard work and a lot of good uh, teamwork within the Medtronic system. So these big companies, they, they're – they're looking out in the future. They, they, they understand the environment they sell in. They understand the reimbursement environment. Um, they understand how their customers make money. So they wanted, they put together a group of people called Access Solutions in the, on the corporate side of where we're located. And then the sales reps that were in those cases, us and maybe five others, but and we talked about the clinical benefit of this procedure. Fortunately, this, this procedure, which is a kyphoplasty, as some of the most intense clinical studies um, that show the efficacy of this procedure, which means it works really, really well, and we can prove it. So going to the doctors, it was more of an emotional ply. It's like, look, how is this patient feeling right now, doctor? Well, Matt, you know, this patient is in so much pain, 10 out of 10. You know, they can't move. Their, they can't even wash their hair. They can't move their arms because they're in such pain. They can't get out of bed. I said, well, you know, let's, let's follow this patient afterwards. And let's talk to the patient, you know, post-op. And I would go with the doctor, and we would round on the patient in the hospital. And the patient would be able to stand up and jump up and say, doctor, thank you, and give him a big hug. Thank you. I, I can move again. I can breathe again. I, I can eat. I'm happy. Look, I'm, I'm standing here with my son who's been waiting for me. The procedure only took an hour. This is fantastic. Thank you. And so that's kind of how I went about it with my physician customers. Was, hey, let's go talk to the patients. You know, we can't look at this in this this nebulous environment of numbers. You know, we have to look at there's a human side of what we're doing. You got into medicine for a reason. Let's revisit that reason. Let's get back to basics. And on the hospital side, it was, look, we understand that you're not getting reimbursed for this. The doctors clinically official procedure for this patient. But you also need to get paid. How can I help you minimize your 
your financial burden. So we have this group called Access Solutions who can look at the charts. We'll sign a business associate agreement. We'll work together. We'll even take this up to uh, administrative law and, and take Medicare to court over this because we know you're following the rules and we know this is a clinically beneficial procedure. Let's all work together. And that's exactly what we did. And it took about two years really to undo the damage that was done in that reimbursement environment. But we were also able to start bringing in more case volume, meaning more surgeries, which led to more procedures, which led to more revenue. So partnering with our customers, physicians and hospital customers, is exactly what the right play to do was. And that's what we did. And we continue to do that as well. When you... Um when you set an annual goal, um, I've been doing, you know, from my experience, Cameron Brooks was 17 years. And there's, and I'm sure this happens in your, your world too. When I'm going with this is that we set an annual goal. You have a plan. And, but the business environment could change in the first four or five months. That changes that goal towards the end of the year. At least sometimes for us. You know, we've had, at least, from, and again, I'm just speaking from my experience. You might have a stop loss. We had September 11th. Um, you have uh, a surge, uh, the economy, whatever it may be, things that come up and that are, that are outside of the, the control of your organization. And you start look, to look at the landscape, at least for we do, and the targets, hey, that's not really realistic. Does that happen to you where you say, okay, that was the goal, but this has now changed in our environment. The target's not as realistic. Has that happened? And if so, do you go back and readjust a target to put a plan mid-year together that keeps everybody focused moving towards an objective? Uh, yes and no. So again, I don't. We don't make our annual our annual goals so incredibly specific that we can't be flexible within our plan. Um, we try to stay within our call points, you know, within what 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 we know, um, and not really go outside of it. But um, you know, certainly we've we've had some things happen that uh, I, I can't think of anything really all that significant. Like nothing like that really pertains to my experience in the last five years. Um. What would your advice be to uh, a first-year or second-year sales representative that's uh, frustrated, uh, feels alone out there, that uh, wondering if they made the right decision, um, been told no a couple days in a row? Hmm. Yeah. Um, hey, I... I I, I certainly have been there myself, and it's it's kind of a gut check, you know. It's you, you're you're doing everything that you think you know you're supposed to do. You think you're doing it right. You're, you know, your your managers tell you all the right things, but you just can't seem to move the needle. What I would tell you, at first or second year, I mean, it, it just takes time. I mean, the military for me personally, I was if I wanted to make a decision, or or if I wanted to change a policy, or if I want to do something different, or if I want to do more of the I can make that decision and it would happen immediately and I could see the results in like a week or two. Maybe even less. But you know, in the sales rule, these these sales cycles take a long time. Nothing in the conventional world moves very quickly. It's it's just it's just the grind. You just you have to stay with it. You know, stay focused on your goal, stay focused on your plan. If you're feeling like you're not doing something right, reach out to people who have experiences and who are willing to help. Uh, and then again, just just keep driving. It does take time. Don't don't lose the faith in what you're doing. If you're doing all the right things, it'll just take time. And 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 I know that's it's weird to, to hear that, and it might sound a little bit cliche, but having been there myself, I can tell you that is absolutely the the, the truth. In fact, every time I've brought on a new sales representative under me, 
it's been the exact same conversation. You know, Matt, gosh, I'm just, I'm going to all these hospitals and, you know, I'm talking to all these people and I just can't seem to bring any revenue to the, any significant revenue to the territory. And I said, well, um, you know, sales rep, how much, how much um, communication have those customers had with Medtronic, you know, before you came on board? Well, none. Okay, so we're light years ahead of where we started. You know, just stay the course, keep doing what you're doing. If you need a course correction, reach out to someone who can help you make that course correction and execute your plan. Let's go back in time. Uh, uh, what, and this is a little self-serving, self-selling, if you will, um, be honest and, and open. Um, talk with me about your decision to get out of the military and what you researched in terms of your options to make the transition. You know, because you could have worked with just your friends. You could have chosen another firm. You could have chosen Cameron Brooks. Tell me about that decision to choose Cameron Brooks. Why did you feel like that was a good partnership to help catalyze your career, if you will? Sure. So this is going back in, in time quite a bit. 2008, uh, when I came home from my first deployment to Iraq, um, a couple of the officers ahead of me were, were getting out. And the people that I really looked up to and respected, um, who were captains that were getting out, and I was just a first lieutenant, or second lieutenant. No, I was a first lieutenant. And they, they said, yeah, I really, really like Cameron Brooks. You should check him out. And um, I think I got, this was back in the day. You guys still send out mail, like those letters to the, yes. like mm -hmm. the, to the military? But okay. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if that was a thing anymore, that people use real mail. But uh, I remember having one of those on my desk. Um, and so I think it said platoon leader, you know, first platoon Bravo company. And I, I opened it. I was like, oh, this is the Kevin Brooks stuff they were talking about. I'm going to go check it out. So I went to an information session. Um, and I kind of heard all the different options that were out there. You know, it's, it's, it's the, it was the fear of the end. I didn't know what was out there. And so at, at 2000, I think after the information session, I signed up for uh, a personal evaluation, a personal marketability assessment. And then it was at that point that we decided, hey, I'm not really sure if I'm ready to get out of the military yet, but um, I would like to, you know, keep these options open. And I, and I thought Cameron Brooks was very gracious in saying, we understand, we're here for you, let's bring you on board, let's work together. If you make the decision to get out, we'd love to show you to our client companies. Here's the DPP. Um, okay, great. DPP, just Thanks. so people right. listen, that's the, that's the development and preparation program. Keep going. Yeah, so I, I had my binder, had my reading list, and, you know, lo and behold, I, I go off to Iraq a second time, and, you know, I had that um, program in front of me, and so I, I had purchased, before I left on my tour, all the books on the reading list, because I was going to be doing staff work for a little bit, and I know I wasn't going to really be outside of the wire for a few months, so I thought, oh, let's just put a whole bunch of reading together. I looked at the, all the reading material, and I took what I could, and I got selected for command and took command in Iraq. Uh, and I implemented a lot of what I read, I mean, immediately upon taking command. Um, and so that was, that was an incredible experience to see those things in the program actually working within a military um, environment. Um, so then coming out of command, um, it, was, it was about that time to, to transition out. And again, I didn't know what my options really were job-wise. But Cameron Brooks, I thought, did a very good job of kind of explaining the sales. What is business-to-business -business sales look like? What is it engineering? Well, I wouldn't be considered for engineering. I have a history. You know, what does engineering look like? What does team, team leadership and manufacturing look like? And so I felt very confident coming into, the, um, into my Cameron Brooks conference, career conference, 
uh, confident in what I thought I wanted to do, one of two things, which was leadership or team leadership or manufacturing or uh, business to business sales. So I thought, I mean, big fan. <laughs> you guys have been doing this for a long time. You, you paired me up with the right companies. I'm, I'm extremely happy where I ended up. Um, and how do you how do you feel the work that you did with Cameron Brooks? Obviously, the military prepared you, but a lot of uh, where am I going with this question is that a lot of people see the value in the Cameron Brooks preparation. People see the value uh, also in the companies that they get to interview with. But what's hard to I think capture the value of is how has it helped you once you were in your career? Hmm. Um, okay, well, here, here's one. In the Army, I never had to interview for a job. It was based on time and service and my officer evaluation reports. You know, this, this guy is pretty good. Let's give him a shot at the next level. You know, um, you're going to get promoted anyway <laughs> because of time. So I, I never had to interview for anything. Um, one of the things that really stuck out in my mind with Medtrona or with uh, with Cameron Brooks is how much practice we interviewed. Oh my goodness! When I the months leading up to my conference, my the, the the small group that we had at Fort Hood that practiced interviewing. I mean, we met like two or three times a week and it just interviewed each other for you know an hour and a half. Uh, and I think I came out to Fredericksburg once and 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 did uh, interview practice, you know, at, at your headquarters. Um, so knowing what interview questions are going to be coming, what types of things are trying to elicit in those interview questions, and being able to give a really good, succinct answer um, and make it uh, appropriate for the job I'm interviewing for was super helpful. I, I never would have gotten the job I have now had I not had that practice, I don't think. So it's been extremely valuable, at least for me, in the interview setting. And I've interviewed for other jobs and, uh, and promotions within um, my company and, and um you know, just that that'll every time I get ready to do an interview I pull out I pull out Roger's book and I'm I'm looking over some of these things and some of these questions and I'm 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 still planning it out. So it's that's been extremely helpful. Um the last thing, um talking about that self development, uh can just uh you, you know, it's the the MBA, you've just started your MBA. I think that's a concern many people have is they want to get an MBA and I think it, I want them to get an MBA too, but Vice going full time versus the executive MBA. Maybe you can share your experience so far and uh, at the University of, or excuse me, Arizona State uh, Cary School of Business and starting that MBA right now. Yeah. So if if they wanted to start the MBA um, program right now, I mean, I think that would be great. I mean, military officers or even if you know the alumni are listening to this, any any furthering education is fantastic, uh, and I think. If you're eligible for the post 9/11 GI Bill, I would definitely make a positive plug for that. It, it certainly takes a lot of financial burden off of the student. But um, the decision for for me, I wanted to get an MBA um, because I, I see all the people that are you know, top business leaders in this country. Most of them have those three letters behind their name, and I don't necessarily believe that you have to have an MBA to be successful and make it to the top. But there's something valuable within that degree. There's something valuable within the knowledge that you obtain going through that program, whether you choose full-time or executive or evening. There's some kind of value in there that companies are looking for. And having started my executive MBA, and I'm only in Q2, so I've, you know, this is still my first year and it's the executive program, so it's all geared towards uh, general management and you know the executive level of companies. So what, uh, already I'm a better business person for having gone through, you know, 
graduate level accounting, graduate level organizational theory, graduate level statistics, graduate level marketing. I can put together a much more co coherent argument for, for the business needs of, a, of my customers and for, for our business itself. Um, the time commitment. So if you're going to do full-time MBA, that's, I mean, you're going to have to really just go to school. And then you're going to take yourself out of the workforce for a while, and that's okay. Um, for me, it's a lot of added stress. So it's about 25 hours a week um, of extra time. So we're treating it like a deployment. If you're considering it, we're treating it like a deployment. I have three kids. I'm married, a full-time job, uh, extra duties within my own work, and now 25 hours a week. So if you kind of have a mindset like you did in the, in the military, hey, let's look at it as a deployment but not as bad, I think it's definitely doable. That's good. Anything else to add today as we, we wrap up the, our, uh, the podcast, Matt? Anything else that you want to share or anything like that? Uh, no, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I hope that um, some of my experiences can be helpful for your, your, um, your JMOs looking to transition or possibly transition. And I hope that uh, if there's any alumni listening that, um, you know, what I had said was helpful. If there's anybody also, uh, Joel, feel free if they contact you to give them my number and my contact information. I'm happy to help talk to them. Matt, you've been great. Uh, been a great alumnus, Cameron Brooks, just sharing your your knowledge with everybody and and talking with them, helping them make a successful transition. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this, for especially as how busy you are. And wish you uh, 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 really a lot of success continued in that Arizona market, um, and also in the leadership role there. This is this podcast will probably be published right before the uh, the the new year, but uh, we're recording it here on Thanksgiving. Uh, a couple days before, so certainly wish you a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hope you get some time off with them. Thanks, Joel. You as well.